Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And yes, I'm doing one on Christmas Day, 2016. It's December 25th, 2016. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Whether you celebrate Christmas or not, I hope you have a great Christmas. All right? And whatever you celebrate, I hope it's a great, great day. And, and if you're only celebrating by listening to this, then, man, um, that's cool, too. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from Sully Baseball Studio, also known as my parents' house in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. I'm actually recording this on the night of December 24th. It's Christmas Eve that I'm recording this. Uh, and I, I just finished wrapping my presents. I just. Normally, I'm way ahead of the game. Normally, I'm done with all my Christmas shopping, my wrapping right around Thanksgiving. And I just sit back and I laugh. I laugh judgingly at the people in December running around like gorillas trying to get this and there. So if I go do it. Your pal Sully's done. I'm Griffin done. I'm done. I'm Mike done. There's no, you go, go, you, you, you unorganized plebes. Go buy your presents last minute. I've been taking care of this all damn year, and I'm ready so you can just kiss my baloney and get out of here. Well, that didn't happen this year. It's, uh, I mean, I could say all sorts of reasons. It's been a, a little bananas in, in Camp Sully. And so I realized on, like, December 22nd, like, oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Um, a lot of people in my life um, kind, kind of don't, don't have presents right now. Um, yeah, I should probably get some presents. Uh, and that's what I did. And so I'm all done. I'm all done with it. And they're now, some of them will be wrapped for about eight hours before they're opened. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, yep, you are wrapped. And, uh, for, and then like, you know, a few hours later, you're unwrapped. There you go. Some I just put in little Christmas bags. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know what I want for Christmas. People are like, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. I want a nap. That's what I want. I, you know, I'd like a a bagel, just something simple. And I'm telling you, I've said this, I've been saying this each of the last bunch of Christmas, but Christmas has become really, really complicated since people no longer buy DVDs, CDs, or books. I used to do that. That used to be my staple. I'd go go to Barnes & Noble, go to Tower, go to, go to wherever it is. You know, go down the street to Kepler's Books in Menlo Park, go to Amoeba Records in Los Angeles, wherever it is. And I'd buy, oh, he likes this movie. She'd like this DVD. She'd like this CD. Oh, he'd like this book. Boom, you load up on those. You're, you're, you're Chris freaking Kringle. But now it's like, ah, I have Netflix. Therefore, with if I move my thumb three quarters of an inch, I can watch whatever I want. And oh, everything's on my Kindle. Oh, I have Apple Music. Therefore, I have every piece of music that has been composed, and some that haven't that have yet to be composed. So you got to be more creative. You got you got to dig a little deeper. And it it makes it exhausting, especially when you're doing stuff last minute. But your pal Sully did it. Everyone in my family has a little something. So there you go. Hey, um. It is Christmas, but it's also Sunday, and I am not going to let these last two 
Sunday, or this is this the last Sunday of the year? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. The last Sunday of the year, not to go by without a Sunday request. And I I have one. I actually had another one that I was going to do, but I like this one better. It's from someone I've done Sunday requests from him before. He's a, a big-time listener and supporter of the podcast. And by the way, I'll tell you, do you know what I want for Christmas? I'll tell you what I want for Christmas. I want anyone who's listening to this podcast, anyone, anyone at all, to go on iTunes, and if you like listening to the podcast and you enjoy it and all this stuff, and you haven't done this already, just leave a review. Give me a nice rating and leave a review, because evidently that means something. So yeah, just let me know. Just say like, hey, I like I dig Sully. Just if you go ahead and do that, that would be great. And if you would just forward this on Twitter to your friends and, and do um, hashtag bagel. There you go. Hashtag bagel. And that will be the bagel that I want for Christmas. So, you know, I, I'll, that, that's what your pal Sully wants. It doesn't cost you anything. A review and, and, and retweeting this episode. There you go. Boom. Uh, but this is a question from um, Bob Biscaglia, who I, I don't think we, we, we established as he's not related to Leo Biscaglia, who was the self-help guy from the 70s and 80s. Um, he writes to me, Sully Baseball. Edward Encarnacion's OPS Plus has declined the last two years, and he's 33. Would you give him three years at $20 million per? Okay. Well, this is, instead of doing a Christmas episode that is more evergreen, like the fake tree we have in the living room here. I have to have a fake tree. I'm allergic to real trees. This is one where I get to address stuff that's happening in the news. And this is something that happened just before Christmas time, and it gives me a chance to address this. Um, and for those of you who probably know that the Cleveland Indians made a big splash this offseason. And they have acquired Edwin Encarnacion from the Toronto Blue Jays uh, as a free agent. And it will cost them a first-round draft pick because he was given a qualifying offer. And he is going to make less with the Indians and for fewer years than what Toronto offered him. Toronto offered him, if I'm not mistaken, Toronto offered I know he offered him a four-year deal. I think it was for $80 million. He got a three-year deal for about $20 million per year. So it's a, it's a full year less than what he would have made if he had taken the Toronto Blue Jays offer. And that would have, you know, I, I like when a player plays on a team for 10-plus seasons, and this would have kept him in Toronto for 10-plus seasons, and it would have, it's the best offer that he got. And he turned it down thinking he was going to get five years. He wasn't going to get five years. The, the market turned on him. You know, there were people who the idea of giving five years to him didn't seem smart. There was a glut of first basemen who were available. The Blue Jays said, well, if you're not going to take four years, 80 million tomatoes, uh, we're going to move on. We're best to move on. I mean, Brian Kendris Morales, who is he as good as Edwin Encarnacion? I don't think so, but it was for less money. The Nisa will probably bring back um, Bautista. And the, the Blue Jays still have a good starting rotation. The Blue Jays still have a good team. You know, they still have Tolowitzki. They still have Donaldson. They still have a good rotation. They still have Estrada. You know, they, they, it's, it's not like losing Encarnacion 
is going to be the the death knell of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I mean, I think it will hurt. I think Encarnacion was a very important player on that Toronto team. But, you know, players move on, teams move on, and it's it's still a winnable it you know the the American League is there's the super teams in the American League are not so powerful that no other team can be in contention. So I I don't blame the Blue Jays. They they did everything right. They gave them the biggest offer and then we turned them down and said, "Well then, okay, we got to move on then." You know, I think that Encarnacion might be kicking himself a little bit for saying, "Geez, I should have taken that four-year deal." Because you know, we've gotten more years, we've gotten more money, and would have, and would have been and would have looked like the good guy. You know, when you resign with your team, you look like the good guy. It's like, oh, look at that, he has loyalty to his team. Well, or that was the best offer. But as it turns out, that's not what's going to happen. He's going to go to Cleveland. Now, another very positive thing could happen to Edwin Encarnacion and his legacy could be if he goes to Cleveland and has a year comparable to the years he's had over the last few. Now, what Bob Biscali is pointing out, and this is a very, very intelligent thing to point out, he is in his mid-30s, and the days of sluggers getting better into their 30s have ended, right around the time they started testing. And it's a wild coincidence, but you start to see players go on the decline. And as he pointed out, the last two years, his OPS has declined. And his, you know, he, his OPS has been in the 900s in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. It dropped down to the high 800s. And his slugging percentage continues to be in the 500s. I mean, he's still a productive player but he may not be the elite productive player in three years. He still is one of the elite home run hitters in baseball right now. Now, why do I think that this is a smart move for Cleveland? Even though Cleveland is notoriously gun-shy to bring in free agents because they don't have you know, limitless pockets. They don't have... They can't really afford to have many mistakes. Remember, Bourne was a mistake, and Swisher was a mistake, and they can't afford to absorb those. You know, the L.A. Dodgers can, the Red Sox can, the Yankees can, the Cubs can. They can absorb a mistake. The Indians can't, and they have, you know, they they have dealt away some members of their farm, and to not have a first round pick that they're going to have to sacrifice to Toronto, you know, those first-round picks are valuable. But I think this is a great move for them. It's a great move for them for several reasons. First of all, the fact that they were able to bring in a player of Encarnacion for two years fewer than Encarnacion wanted. In many ways, the years are more of a determinant factor of the value of a contract than the money. The fact that basically they need Edwin Encarnacion to have one or maybe two more elite seasons, at least one. And if in three years, in the final year of his contract, he stinks, then that's it. I mean, it's not like he's a five, six year commitment. Three years is next year, 2018, 
2019, and then they never have to worry about him again. So for three years, he'll be in, still in his mid-30s. It's not like he's going deep into his 40s. He's still, he'll be done with his contract before Albert Pujols is done with his contract with the California Angels. And yeah, that's what I still call him. But you also have to take a look. These deals are not existent in a bubble. There's sometimes you take a look at some recent champions and you take a look at, you know, like when the Red Sox went all in bringing in Schilling and Folk, when the Yankees went all in a few years ago bringing in Sabathia and Teixeira, like the Cubs went in all in bringing in Lester and bringing in everyone in their moose in the last couple of years. And there have been times when teams have gone all in and it's been a disaster, like the uh, – well, what happened with the, with the Marlins and what happened with the Angels, say, for one division title, they're going all in, bringing in Pujols, Hamilton, C.J. Wilson, has not worked out. Then there's some where it's come short, it's fallen short. You know, the, the Nationals have clearly gone all in several times, but they've yet to advance beyond the division series. The Phillies went all in a few years ago, bringing in Halliday, bringing back Cliff Lee, but they couldn't win another World Series. They couldn't get back into the World Series after Halliday. You know, there have been instances of going all in where it hasn't worked, so that it obviously is a giant risk. But where there's less of a risk for the Cleveland Indians is this. The Indians are in a situation where their window of opportunity is now. It's 2017, 2018, and possibly 2019, but certainly 2017. Now, I've made this point, and someone else pointed this out. Uh, I, I actually thought the Indians were in on this. I said this, and I saw the rumors in early December, and I thought it made sense. I thought it made all the sense in the world for the Indians to go into Encarnacion because of these factors. As I said, they have a chance to win the World Series, to forever remove the Indians from the hook of it's been so long since they've won a World Series. It's been since 1948. They've lost two Game 7s of the World Series, and they lost a heartbreaking Game 6 of the World Series in 1995, and they lost Game 7 of the ALCS in 2007. And all those years, the Indians could have easily been the world champion, and no one's even worrying about it. They were one swing from winning the World Series with an exhausted Chapman on the mound, Carlos Santana, Jason Kipnis, and um, Francisco Lindor. If any one of them got a hold of one and hit into the upper deck, Encarnacion is a Blue Jay right now. We're not talking about this with the Indians. Encarnacion is probably a Cub because the Cubs will have to go all in again because the curse of the Billy Goats go on for one more year. And they would be like, okay, next year's just going to be a nice farewell tour, and that will be that. But instead, the Indians know this is a chance to win the World Series, to win the whole damn thing. They know they've got Kluber. They know they've got Tomlin. They know that either Salazar and Carrasco are going to come back and be effective. They know they have Bauer. They know they've got a really good bullpen. And they know they have what is becoming one of the best young infields in baseball and a ton of talent on the team, and more talent coming up from the farm. And they also take a look at the Central and say, as I said before, the White Sox are rebuilding, the Twins are rebuilding, the Tigers very well may be rebuilding, and who the hell else is in the division? 
Um, then Kansas City is may not be in full rebuild mode, but they're certainly not in full we're going for it mode. So you're in a situation where you're like, the, the division's yours. Save for a colossal string of injuries or an t- unexpected team having a tremendous year. The Indians are going to win the American League Central. So with that in mind, they can win it all. And plugging Encarnacion and his bat into that lineup with Kipnis, into that lineup with uh, Lindor, into the lineup with Santana, into a what's already a good offensive team with a very good pitching staff, to just plug it in and say, we are putting in a guy who can slug in the 500s, hit 40-some on homers, and just place that as a, as a replacement for Napoli. Who you know I love Napoli. He was a, a, a Boston strong Red Sox. I love him to death. But it's a big step up. And even if his regression goes from him being an MVP candidate to merely an excellent or very good offensive player, inserting that into this team may very well be the thing that puts him over the top. The effect that having a bat like Encarnacion affects the batter before you, affects the batter behind you, it may mean that Kipnis sees more strikes. may mean that Lindor sees more strikes. It may mean that the running game could be increased. It may mean that there's more runs scored. I mean, how many more runs is he going to produce? How many more? I mean, RBIs and runs scored are not a very good metric for in, to determine an individual player's worth because that requires someone to drive you in, that requires someone to be on base. But when you take a look at a team and you have a player who produces with this kind of power, produces with this kind of all-round offense, then you, it's safe to assume that more runs are going to be scored. You take a look at what the Red Sox did by bringing in Sale has made their rotation probably the best in the American League East and right up there with Cleveland's. And Cleveland, as Karen said, we we have the same rotation. It'll probably be even better with Salazar and Carrasco, and now we've made our offense better. And so would you give him at 30 plus 20 years? There's a very simple metric. If the Indians win the World Series in the course of that Encarnacion contract, then yes, it's worth it. When you think about some of the players who put teams over the top, I remember when Jack Morris was brought in to the Toronto Blue Jays because they really needed a horse at the top of their rotation. They won the World Series. Did they win the World Series because of Jack Morris? No, but the effect of having a Jack Morris and having a Dave Winfield on that team may have been the difference between the team that kept making it to the playoffs but couldn't push themselves into the World Series and the opposite happening. So, look it. If you went into this offseason thinking that Encarnacion was going to cost you five years and you can get him for three, and you know, he, even if he regresses, barring injury, he's still going to be a very good player next year. 
And plunking that into the team, a team that came within a strike, a one swing of the bat from being the world champions, have they improved? Yeah, they have. Does it cost them anyone on the major league roster? No, it doesn't. Does it cost them anyone in the high minor leagues? No, it costs them a first-round pick and some money. But this may be what the Indians need to do. They've improved the all-around team. And the greatest Christmas gift that Indian fans could get for Christmas 2017 is to be handing out sweatshirts and T-shirts and hats and scarves and mittens that say Cleveland Indians 2017 World Champions. Believe me, everyone in Cleveland's getting a World Champion Cleveland Cavalier thing. And if that Kipnis ball didn't hook foul, they'd be getting Indian stuff too. But maybe this will stretch it out. But Bob Biscalia, would I do it? In a vacuum, I don't know. If I'm just like, like if the A's, who are rumored to be in on Encarnacion, did this, I would say, no, I don't, I don't buy it. If the Reds said, no, no, not buying it. I don't even think with the Giants, because Encarnacion can play one position, it's first base. Belt can do the job at first, and I think Posey will eventually have to move to first. So no. Would the Red Sox have worked? Yeah, probably. But I think the best fit for who, there, there were two perfect fits for him. One was Toronto, one was Cleveland. And Toronto offered more money. So by definition, the Cleveland Indians got a deal. And it's really, if they win the World Series in 2017 or 2018, and he wets the bed and has a crappy 2019, but he was part of the World Series celebration, you know and I know it was worth it. It was a wonderful Christmas gift of hope to Cleveland fans, a fan base that has not exactly been known to having tons of them, but things could be changing. I think right now, the way the teams are situated, of course, lots of changes can be made and this, that, and the other thing. But uh, would anyone be stunned if the World Series was a rematch between the Cubs and the Indians? And to have the Indians have a new weapon that they didn't have last year, plus a sense of urgency? I think it's a good deal. I'll be willing to eat crow, but I think it's a good deal. So, Bob Biscay, I hope I answered your question the best I could, and I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas. And everyone out there, have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful time. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Revan, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, and go to SullyBaseball on Twitter if you ever want me to do a Sunday request going into 2017. Uh, the music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for Christmas Day 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Hey, Merry Christmas, and you can call me Sully.